0: Before we get started, I want to remind you about our friends over at the Macklemore. My buddies and I are headed up there next month for our annual golf trip, and I absolutely cannot wait to see and play that golf course. The Macklemore is a beautiful community resort and course just 35 minutes outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, up on Lookout Mountain. Folks, go online to themacklemore.com to check out what a wonderful golf course and other amenities they've got up there. Their new clubhouse and bar opened up last fall. Folks, you got to see this place to believe how great it is. The golf course is co-designed by our friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. And another great friend and PGA Tour caddy, Kip Henley, said outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. And Golf Digest agreed, oh, by the way, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. See why they're all saying that by checking out the course and the resort online at themaclemore.com. And, folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by TaylorMade and their TP5 and TP5X golf balls. High draw? Check. Low fade? Check. Bump and run? Out of the sand? Flop shot? Guess what? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better for them than them all, and that's the new TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern that decreases drag and increases lift, it's the number one ball in golf no matter the shot. So whether you need to hit it high over the trees, under, or even through them, hit TP5 or TP5X, the one ball designed to handle it all. Check them out online by going to tailormadegolf.com for more information. All right, now back with me for the 49th time as our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. Look out, Virginia, because Tom is on his way up to his new summer home at Farmington Country Club up in Charlottesville. So folks, if you're traveling up I-95, and you see a big white beast of a truck, and it looks like a homeless guy is living in it, that's Tom. Flag him down and get a lesson from him at the nearest rest stop, or you could download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your golf swing, and he can help you get dialed in through the app. Please check out his website, tompatry.com, and subscribe to his newsletter while you're on there. You can also go to his YouTube channel and subscribe, because he's uploaded over 150 free playing lessons for all of us. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Instagram, at TomPatrickGolf, and it is always an honor to have T.P. as part of the show. Good evening, T.P. One more episode until we hit a big milestone. How are you, my friend?
1: Christy Boy! Hey, T.P. 49 times, my friend. Board. It's unbelievable. 49 times. You, I, I, you would have gotten rid of me by now I would have thought. I mean, there must be lightning you know, as far as talent out there.
0: <laughs> if I had better judgment. Clearly, I do
1: not. <laughs> Clearly not.
0: TP, we've got a lot to get into tonight. And I want to start by getting a quick thought from you about the new PGA Tour incentive program that's going to pay $40 million to 10 players who they feel are moving the needle with sponsors and fans. It's about the players who move engagement on social media, bring eyes, clicks, and all of that to, to their tournaments. So I find it ironic that a player like Tiger who has disdain for the fans and never really engaged with them may get a piece of that $40 million and probably won't play in a tournament this year. Or a guy like Ricky Fowler, who we all love and we are hoping that he finds his way and we're rooting for him to do it, but he could get a piece of that $40 million and not make a cut. What are your thoughts about that program?
1: Well, Chris, I think I think it's the tour's answer actually in disguise to this, um, this alternate golf for a being proposed by some foreign money, um, a way to keep guys in the nest. I think it's the wrong way to go about it. But we, you know, you and I both know that social media drives so much of the wagon nowadays. Uh, I, I just question who's going to get the money and, and, and what their real influence is on the game. And, you know, Tiger could surely dip into that, into that pot and maybe not see it up for the next year, year and a half. Ricky, who is a social media icon, you know, obviously doesn't look like he can make a cut right now. Uh, and then you look at a guy like Gary Woodland and the great influence he had at the Phoenix Open a few years ago uh, with that young lady that he pulled out on, the, on that par three and, and it went viral. You now Gary's probably not in the top 15 in the world right now, and will he get left out? So I'm not really sure if they really thought this thing through. And, and what the, uh, what the ramifications could be. This, the second proposed tour, you know, if, if guys did defect, I think the easy way to keep them in the fold, as long as you have all the powers to be in the room on the same page, is to say, guys, you know, if, if you leave the PGA tour, and you go to this alternate tour, and in two years, it folds up, you don't get to hop back on, right on right away, there's a penalty period. So, I'm, I'm not really sure this has really been thought through very well, and I, I don't think we've heard the last of it yet and, and, and maybe how it will be organized and how it will be pulled off, but uh, I, I don't think they're moving necessarily in the right direction with it.
0: Tom, I want to talk about your career. You've been a teaching professional now for 41 years. Looking back at your time at Westchester Country Club and Friars Head and the places that you've been, Talk about your teaching resume and why you started TP Golf because we all owe a debt of gratitude for you for all you've meant to the game.
1: Well, well Chris, if you don't mind a minor correction, I, I owe the game a lot. The game owes me nothing. Um, the opportunity that the game provided and people who came before me provided, whether it was John Kennedy at Westchester Country Club or Charlie Robson, the executive director at the Mid PGA, and so many people that came before and after them. Bill Strasbaugh at Columbia me country club in Washington, D.C., who all gave me opportunity. Uh, and the places I've gotten to go, the people I've been able to meet and be around. And, uh, you know, so I, I owe the game so much.
0: It's been, it's
1: been an incredible journey and, uh, and I've been pretty blessed by it. But yeah, I mean, I spent 11 years at Westchester Country Club as a director of instruction there, one of the great, great old, old granddads in, in the game of golf. Uh, an incredible place that's so historical and, uh, and and still so relevant. And then you know, Friars head for nine years, where uh, you know, just an incredible piece of property and, and a great vision of Ken Back. Um, and pr- probably I think I think probably in the top 20 in the world. Um, you know just a few places that I've been able to you know spend time at long periods of time at. Uh, just just incredible and and. Uh, and, and you know, I kind of fell into those things, and all of those things were really put in, in motion because of John Kennedy at Westchester Country Club, and the opportunity he gave me there uh, when I didn't have a, a resume, anything like today. It gave me a chance to take over a situation that was, at the time, somewhat broken and kind of said, you know, go paint your own picture. Go create your own staff. Go create your own programs and, and, and see what you can do with the landscape. Um, and it all started right there because of him. So, uh, And during that same time period, uh, Bill, Bill Strasbaugh became part of my life. And, and
0: you know, between
1: Bill Strauss and John Kennedy and your guidance, um, what we know today as Tom Patrick was born. But it was because of them uh, and their influence. So I was really, really blessed in that regard.
0: I want to get your thoughts as well about coaching on the LPGA Tour because that's where you got your start, right?
1: Well, it was very different, Chris. In the 90s, that was my first, uh, my first endeavor into teaching and coaching professional golf. Um it was really, uh, it was through an introduction of a good friend of mine, Evan Schiller, who's a, a world-class photographer today, but Evan was on my teaching staff at Westchester, and he, and he had some contacts with some girls, from college Golf at the University of Miami, made an introduction, a couple of them had some faith in me. I started coaching, um one girl and then a second girl, and it wound up being I think five or six girls who all were winners on tour in the 90s. Uh, and that's really where I kind of cut my teeth first as far as professional golf. And that's transcended during my Westchester years because I was hosting the Buick Classic to exposure to some male tour players. Uh, and, and, you know, I was off and running. And that, that exposure, obviously, was uh, was listen, pre, it's a pre really funny because it was pre-social media. But you know, word of mouth was, was the vehicle back then and uh and I had some success and some people played well and, and a couple of them won some events and and you know that kind of you know bolstered what I was doing too. So I I was really I was really a victim in a great way of right place, right time, uh in so many respects. Um but it's very different today. You know, it's, it's so much more demanding. Uh I get I get calls and requests to do that some of those things now and I really turn them down. I'm on the road, as you know, Chris, five months a year away from my family, uh, my wife, the dogs, and my son in Naples, uh, when I go to Farmington this summer. And, and five months away is a long time from home. And, uh, if I added to that a tour presence today, I, I would never be home. So I had my run with that. It was, it was really fun. I'm glad I did it. It was a different time of my life. I was a lot younger. Um, but it, it's not something today, the demands are so much greater as far as your time, Uh, I I wouldn't want to do it at this point in my life.
0: Tom, let's push it up again because I want to get some playing lessons from you tonight. And as you know, I'm trying to improve my short game. I find myself watching videos on your YouTube channel as well as old videos that Seve put together way back in the day. And I know you spent some time working with him, watching him. When he asked you to take a look at what he was doing, what did you see and what did you learn from, uh, the time you spent with Seve?
1: Well, clearly, I, you know, my, my time with Seve was later in his career. Chris, he was already, you know, I hate to say this, but he was kind of damaged goods. His back was already a mess at that point. Still had an incredible, you know, incredible talent, incredible short game. It certainly didn't need any help for me with the short game. But what he did for me, uh, it's funny how we kind of turned, turned the table here is, you know, when I worked with him on his full swing, You know, I would always pick his brain about short game and and obviously was the maestro where where nobody, I mean, we have great short game players that, you know, whether you talk about Fowler's putting stroke or Phil Mickelson's short game or Patrick Reed's short game, I I can promise you that nobody could touch Chevy. Uh, And he did a lot of things that were very artistic. So I think part of golf is mechanical and part of it is the artist. And he was clearly the artist, Uh, you know, he did, like, changing his grip pressure, changing the position of his hands on the club, making his grip weaker, to higher, softer shots. Uh, he used the bounce of the club so beautifully. Um, and he, had, you know, he just had a pair of hands that, that just everybody does not have. So he could do some things between both his talent and his technique that was just an extraordinary shot. Um, I always say to my students, you know, once I play the, the groundwork for short game with them, that... The two greatest short game players on the planet today are Dr. Trial and Mr. Error. So once you have some basic parameters, whether it's how you use the bounce of the club, the club in fact you choose to use uh, for the majority of your shots, how you use your hands on the club in terms of your grip pressure and the position of your hands in your grip, uh, then, have, then you have to go out there and you have to do 1,000 shots and just and just pull around the things and find out what works best for you. But he was... He was so so damn creative, Chris, that you know uh there's so many things he did you really can't teach. They were they were a gift from God. So uh I think a lot of short game, once you have, you know, the skeleton is, is trial and error.
0: And Tom, as you mentioned with Stevie, with the hands and grip pressure, we heard forever. He had such incredibly soft hands and and um You put that to work certainly in in the short game and his chipping and pitching. Talk about what that means. What does it mean when someone says, "Wow, he had soft hands."
1: Well, I I think I think a lot of bad short game shots are driven by tension and too much grip pressure. You know, hands squeezing the club too tight and not allowing the wrists and the arms to swing and flow uh, in a relaxed manner. Uh, And I think that certainly to play the tour under pressure and hit shots like he. You know, he had to put so much work into it and develop such a high confidence level that he could put his hands on the club in a way that, uh, you know, people who don't put the work in, don't put the time in, can't develop or or reach that kind of level of confidence to trust their hands being on the club that lightly with such a low grip pressure. Um, There are no shortcuts, Chris. I mean, there just aren't. I I know you, uh, as an avid golfer, I know you go out there, you know. Fifteen or twenty hours a week, and hit those short shots, and hit hit those bunker shots and pitch and chip shots. I know you're very dedicated to your game, but how many people really do that?
0: Tom, I, you know, as as we talk about Sevy and and, and uh, the grip pressure and the soft hands and the things and tension and all that sort of, I, I I've never asked you this before, but I, I want to get your take. Eighty six Masters. sevy has got the lead, obviously, in late in the back nine on Sunday. Hits a terrible shot on fifteen. It, it pulled it left. Obviously, it goes in the water. Why do you think that shot happened?
1: You know, Chris, that I, I remember watching that live. And you know, at that juncture in time, if you go back and watch that Masters unfold, I know you're a huge Augusta fan. And, and you know, I am too. We've talked about that a lot off air together. Um, he hits that shot. I believe it was a four iron on the green on 15. Jack never wins that golf tournament. It, it doesn't right. That golf that golf swing changed the course of golf history at augusta um, and it was so unlikely tovia to have hit a shot that he was especially in that in that in that situation that he wasn't totally focused you know for him to hit a shot that poorly that unsolidly, um he you know he got ahead of himself clearly um any player that, any any player that's that world class gifted to a shot that poorly uh is clearly not tuned in. Uh, but you know, the golf gods were shining on Jack, that was his time. And you know, not only that shot, Chris, that Seve hits on 15. but, you know, if you remember clearly, Norman stood in the middle of 18 fairway and only needed it was a part of the Jack to force the playoff. And he was at the height of his powers as well at that time and hits that terrible second shot right of the bunker on 18
0: and makes Bogey
1: and Jack win. So, a lot of things, um, happen. And listen, I'm not taking anything away from Jack, he played an incredible incredible last round of golf. Um, but those two players, you think about nineteen eighty six, Silviano Ballesteros and Greg Norman hitting those two four shots in that situation and Jack wins. Just it was it was meant to be.
0: Tom, you've done over sixty thousand hours of instruction over your career so far, working with junior players, college players, kids like Jack the Whack that you brought on the show with you last year and and those players, plus, you know, everyday students, you know, out there winning junior events, college tournaments, or just their club championships, that has to be incredibly rewarding to see the people that you're working with winning at such a high rate. You know,
1: you know, Chris, it is. I mean, you know, there's nothing probably more fun than a student at any level, whether it's a junior player or a college player, you know, a club champion, a member guest, you know, a, a player breaking 100 for the first time, uh, an absolute rank beginner going out and hitting the first shot solid in the air—they're all rewarding on different levels. Um, and when you teach, you know, when you teach golf primarily at the club level, recreational level now. And your—and maybe your tour coaching career is over. You know, the thing that still drives your needle and gets you excited is when one of your people has success at whatever level it is. And certainly, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that my juniors weren't the most fun for me. I've got. You know, Jack the Whack, as you mentioned, is, is playing great golf, and he's you know he's only 15 now, but he's really doing well, and he's getting better all the time. Uh, uh, I've got a young lady named Macy Benson who won five events in a row last fall in Indiana. Uh, a young man named Maverick Conaway in, in in Indiana who just finished second in a really really big tournament in the Midwest. Um, uh, all all those things are so much fun. You know when you see kids uh, starting to excel, especially if they're kids that you really like, and they're polite, and they're hardworking, and they, and they have a passion for the game. So, there's nothing much better than that.
0: So, Tom, how different are things now versus when, you know, you were a junior golfer or back in your in your college days? We know the technology is different. But how else is, is the game different from back then?
1: Well, you know, I told you about the things I like, Chris. Let me tell you about some of the things I don't like. You know, back when I played junior golf, which was a long time ago, uh, there was no AJGA, there was no club fitting, there was no V1, there was no body tracker, track man. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, for example, myself as a public course kid, didn't have any exposure to a golf course. I, you know, I, I won 15 pretty big junior events. I won seven or eight amateur events. I won five or six college events in an NCAA. Um, I never had a golf lesson until I got out of college. And the kids that show up today, the ones that I don't like, and and they usually don't stay with me very long because I don't really allow them to, are ultra entitled. You know, they're showing up with you know several thousand dollars worth of golf clubs in their bag, and, and they've got a you know a physical therapist, they've got a sports psychologist, and and you know, the helicopter mom or dad, it's it, it's gotten a little bit out of control in some respects, uh, and and I'm really fortunate, Chris, I don't need anybody in my lesson book. I really, I'm really, i really lucky that I can deal from a position of strength as far as who I stay with and who I don't stay with. Um, I want kids who are, who, you know, and I tell all my kids, no matter how good they are and where they want to go play in college, that the college we're going to choose is going to be education first and golf second. And I also tell them that if they ever say anything in front of me that's disrespectful to their parents, that they can they can leave, if they're gone. So um I've been blessed that my my kids that do stay with me are are really pretty good kids and, and I'm able to kind of pick and choose in that respect. And I've turned away some really good talent and gone to somebody else and I wish them the best and hope it works out. But um it's really different now. It's really different with the amount of money that is spent on junior golf and, and how much travel they do. Um uh, it's gotten a little bit in some respects, out of control.
0: I know we have a lot better technology. We've mentioned that today versus the rocks, stones, chisels, sticks that you played with when you were a kid. But with the advent of the AJGA and all of the tournaments that kids get to play in now as they grow up and advancing through junior golf and high school golf and college golf and all of those sorts of things, kids seem better prepared today for the pressure and being able to compete in tournaments as they get up through those levels and then through the Corn Ferry Tour, the Symmetra Tour, the PGA Tour, and the LPGA Tour. Talk about that. Are kids better prepared now? And how are things different from a teaching perspective than they were back when you were coming up through the ranks?
1: I think, Chris, I think all those things are true. I think the thing you failed to mention, in addition to everything you said, was that, you know, First came a guy named Arnold Palmer, then came a guy named Fred Couples, and then came a guy named Tiger Woods, and the popularity of the sport exploded, uh, and the visibility of the sport because of TV exploded. And what happened is golf became cool. When I was in high school, you know, if you played golf, you were kind of the nerd. You were, you were kind of the almost the outcast. Now, now golf is cool. So, you know, we got kids coming to the lesson team now that could be the high school quarterback. It could be the point guard on the basketball team. It could be the shortstop on the baseball team. Uh, this kid I have from, from Indiana, Maverick Conaway, is a really good athlete and a really good basketball player. Uh, you know, and he, he's 6'1 and a 6'2, you know, tall and creates a lot of speed, uh, but he's a really good athlete. Um, so we also have kids coming through our sport now that we never had coming through our lesson team before. They're just really good athletes. We get to kind of cherry pick, uh, some athletes that we never had we never had a chance to grab before. So you you take all the things you just named and add the athleticism to the pot and man man, you know, dinner is served. It's really, really good.
0: Tom, just a couple more before I let you go and uh like we talked about over the last couple of times you've been on the show. You've uploaded a lot of great content on your YouTube channel. Remind everyone what they can get when they go out there and subscribe to it.
1: Yeah, you know, Chris, that YouTube channel has kind of grown from uh, nothing in the past two years to about 150 um, video tips, uh, some lengthy, some not so lengthy, short game, full swing, course management, sports psychology, uh, you know, some, some, some stories about the game of golf, sports psychology. Uh, I try to, you know, create a, I'm trying, still trying to create and add to, uh, videos to that channel that encompass every aspect of the game of golf. And it's just a place where people can go for totally free content and, uh, kind of stick their nose in there, subscribe to it and, and, and have some fun with it. Um, it's been fun to record some of those things. I've got about 25 more left to edit so far. It'll be added. Probably by the end of June, and then I'll probably film another 25 to 50 over the summer. Hopefully, um, just keep growing that growing that channel. But it's a, it's a fun place for people.
0: And Tom, let everybody know how they can stay up to date with the great things that you're doing. Again, on your way up to Virginia here before long, uh, let them know how they can find you and then follow you on social media as well.
1: Yeah, because all the regular places. First of all, the website is TomPatrick.com. Really simple. But we have we have you know, we have space on LinkedIn. Instagram, two Facebook pages, Twitter. um, And then obviously they can subscribe to my newsletter, which goes out four times a year and they can subscribe to that via, uh, via the website. Um, But as I always do, when we, when we cut us, cut us us, each other loose at the end of the show, um, we should also thank Chris Mascara for everything he does for the game of golf. Every, every Tuesday night at eight o'clock. Uh, yeah, having Pertzer on next, one of the great singers of the club of all time. Actually, Pertzer is his generation's Adam Scott. And to have people like him share their knowledge and their wisdom because of Chris Mascaro is is something we should be grateful for as well. And, and next show is number 50, pal. So I, I expect, you know, a birthday cake maybe, champagne maybe sent to the house <laughs> in, 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 in Charlottesville, maybe at the front door. So uh, you're doing a, a hell of a job, pal. It's always fun being on with you.
0: Oh, I love you, TP. You know that. And, uh, and my condolences to you, to your lovely wife who's been stuck in traffic with you for hours. I can only imagine how excruciating that's been for, for the lovely Mrs. Patrick. But, um, I'm sure that, uh, that, uh, yeah, she'll get through it and, uh, and have a big party once, uh, once the white beast is pulled out of the driveway. So good for her. I know good days are coming for her. <laughs> and really, that that uh, the folks up in Charlottesville, Virginia, are going to be very lucky lucky once the uh, the White Beast pulls up up there. Uh, I'm sure the the key, the, uh, the gross, um, handicap margin is going to come way down for the folks in Virginia because Tom Patrick is now going to be in that state. So I look forward to catching up with you soon, my friend. You're the best, you know. I love you.
1: thanks, pal. Nice to know. Have a great night.
0: See you, Tom. That's the great Tom Patry folks, tompatry.com, p a t r i is the spelling of his last name and Tom Patry Golf on Instagram and Twitter and uh subscribe to that uh that YouTube channel folks. TP has put out like I say it's it's at least 150 and it's free content for you and it takes you all over the court. from from tee to green, putting strategy and all that sort of stuff. It's going to really improve your game. And uh I would never say this to TP when uh, we're on the air together but the folks up in Charlottesville you guys are in for a treat you're gonna get uh you're gonna get probably one of the best in the game for sure uh, and he's really going to come up there and make a big impact on people's golf you heard it he was in Indiana last summer and you, you heard him talk about some of the players some of his junior players that are now having tremendous success people down that go and see him in, uh in Naples and Fort Myers and even as, as far north as as New York and you know, as you heard T.P. say, that's where he's from so he goes back up there and he's got students that are, uh, that are really doing some amazing things there. And folks, you, you heard it on this show first and you might have heard it on TP show. If you, if you, uh, followed him on his Instagram live show, Jack the Wack, that kid is amazing. 15 years old, kids shooting in the upper sixties, low seventies and, and winning tournaments. Uh, that kid's going to be making some noise, uh, and, you know, whether it's at college. Corn Ferry Tour, and one day the PGA Tour. I got a lot of faith in that kid. He's got a tremendous swing, thanks to Tom Patrick.